I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You are listening to More Than a Song, episode 366. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of attending a women's conference with the theme of Christology. Now, the word Christology comes from two Greek words, meaning Christ and Messiah, and word, which combine to mean the study of Christ. So Christology is the study of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And as you can imagine, the songs we sang during the conference focused on Christ. Cody Karn's song, Christ Be Magnified, was one of those songs, and I can't wait to introduce it to you and use it to dive into scripture. So to get started, let's listen. This idea of Christ being magnified brought me to Philippians chapter 1 verse 20 that in the King James Version reads this way, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Now, while I want to explore this idea of being Christ, of, of this idea of Christ being magnified in me, and really understand what Paul is saying here specifically, my next step is, is to engage the entire letter to the Philippians first, and then focus in on this idea and section of Scripture. My goal is to interact with God's Word, not just read it, but to be honest, you need to start by reading it. I call my Bible interaction tool exercises Bites for short, and they are simple habits I've curated over time and use in my own study time. I actually had a friend uh, recently ask how I come up with what Bites to share with you on each episode, and she was surprised to learn that I merely share the Bites that I used that week to study the Scripture myself. I'm not assigning you anything. I'm inviting you on the journey I take in scripture myself. Now, if you listened to last week's episode, you know that we recently lost my father-in-law. I was actually preparing for this week's episode already, but my thoughts ended up being so jumbled and my heart was so broken that I really couldn't put it all together. And so I just want to encourage you that sometimes this is going to happen to you. And I want you to sit in the comfort of God's word in these times. Don't isolate yourself from his voice. However, give yourself some grace if it seems like none of it's sticking. 
okay? And um, while I love larger sections of scripture, sometimes it does boil down to a verse or two that bring us clarity and comfort in these hard times. Now, as I began to come out of the fog of the intense new grief, not that I'm completely out of it, of course, grief takes time and it pounces unexpectedly at times. I went ahead and picked up Philippians again, and I was so thankful for the bites in my back pocket to just start engaging again. And so that all I had to do was just take the next step. I didn't have to have any, some kind of divine inspiration. And so I knew what my first bite needed to be, which was to read in context. And in this case, it means to read the entire letter to the Philippians the entire letter. I always encourage you, read in context, but with these short epistles, which is just another word for letter, by the way, reading in context is reading the entire thing. Now, you should never, you would never take a letter from a friend and pick apart a paragraph or two before reading the entire thing. Now, you may go back and kind of focus in on what did they say or or um, highlight or things like that uh, once you've read the whole thing. But you've got to understand what the entire letter is about. So again, read it like you would a letter. Read Philippians like you would a letter. Uh, again, when you're reading a letter from a friend, you are engaging in the story of the letter and you're not picking apart every word. Read it for the spirit of the letter first. Now, one good way to do this for me is to take the bite of listening to an audio version of the text. In a quick ride in the car to the doctor office, you can uh, listen to the entire letter to the Philippians. If you make time, you could listen to it several times over the course of a day or two, getting ready in the morning, washing dishes, car rides, things like that. Now, the next bite I took was to read the envelope. (laughs) Now, I know Paul didn't send this letter to me in March of 2021. It was originally a letter to a real group of people that lived in a particular point in history. It also is the inspired word of God, preserved and included in God's holy word for us to learn from and to live by. So it's both and. It's both a letter to the Philippians and a letter to us. However, reading the envelope is a bite that takes us through the process, well, like reading an envelope. So who is the letter addressed to? Who is the letter from? And when and where was the postmark? Uh, This will get us a little into the bite of historical context as well. And this bite is almost always taken with another bite of consulting an outside resource. So from reading the text, we can see that this letter is addressed to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. That's right there in the text, Philippians chapter 1. From reading the text, we can see that it is from Paul and Timothy. And from reading the text, we can get clues as to the postmark date, where it came from, and around what time. So the text indicates that Paul is in prison. And from what we see in the book of Acts, we can conclude that it was written while he was in prison in Rome. But I don't know when that was without consulting an outside resource. So I also can't conclude from the text anything about the historical context of the church at Philippi or what was going on in the world whenever this letter was written. So it's at this point that you need to consult a trusted outside resource. One of my favorites is How to Read the Bible Book by Book by Gordon and Fee. And it helps you read the envelope of every book of the Bible, gives you an overview of every book, and specific advice on how to read it, as well as walking you through major sections of each book in the Bible. I'll go ahead and link to this resource in the show notes. It's 
one um you know one one volume of of uh one book and it's not that big and it's just great to have on your shelf as you study the bible I also like to consult study Bibles. Now, my favorite study Bible is my ESV study Bible. So you could have, you could either have this book by book, um, how to read the Bible book by book, or a study Bible, um, because your study Bible will include this information as well. Uh, I picked up a copy of the Reformation study Bible and consulted that one this week. Of course, depending on your theological bent, there may be doctrinal interpretations that you and or your denomination disagree on in the study notes. But for the most part, these study Bibles are going to give you historical and word interpretation backgrounds that you can't know from just studying the text. There are two sections in the Reformation Study Bible that I love, and this is why I picked this one up. The first is that every introduction to every book has a Christ in section. So so like Christ in Isaiah or Christ in Habakkuk or Christ in Philippians. And it reminds us that every story whispers his name. All scripture points to Jesus. And these notes in the introduction help us to see that. The other section is this XYZ book in the larger story of the Bible. So for every introduction of every book of the Bible, it'll be like Philippians in the larger story of the Bible or Isaiah in the larger story of the Bible. We've talked about this some on the podcast before, but we need to consider that while the Bible is a book of 66 individual books written over 1,500 or so years, it is also one grand story, and we call this the meta narrative. My mentor used to refer to it as the red thread of redemption that is woven through every book of the Bible. So that's my favorite part of the Reformation Study Bible introduction notes, and in the case of Philippians, the ESV Study Bible has a featured Philippi in the day of Paul section that I also found useful as well. Now, taking these bites, as you can tell, will take some time and interaction with other resources. I find them fascinating and they really help me to flesh out what's going on in the letter that I'm reading, which will help me interpret the scripture appropriately and ultimately apply it to my life in a way that is consistent with how it was originally intended. My encouragement, however, is to always spend an equal amount of time in God's word, Sometimes I think we get sucked into what other people are saying about the Bible that we don't spend enough time interacting with the Bible. Now, one place you might go to give you greater historical insight and also stay in the word is to take the bite of following the cross reference to Acts chapter 15, um, starting around verse 35, all the way through Acts 17, 1, which records Paul's first visit to Philippi. This will give you insight into the founding of the church there at Philippi. You'll get to meet some of the people that were the like founding members, so to speak. Um, and so that's one way to stay in the word and still give you some historical background to this letter that you're studying. Now, some of these outside resources will also give you key themes of the book. I, I long for a day actually when you can discover those key themes on your own. If you are new to the text, do not worry about this just yet. But if you are familiar with the text, I challenge you to discover the key themes of Philippians um, on your own. Kind of look it through and make your own outline and then compare your findings with your trusted study Bible or resource and see how close you are to other authors and these other Bible readers. Okay. Now, in reference to our discussion here today, just to bring you up to speed, uh, this the historical context places Paul in prison in Rome and therefore dates the book around AD 62. So the postmark when we read the envelope is Rome AD 62. And spending time in the cross references again will give you an idea of how the letter was received 
to its original audience. Now, when you read the entire book, you will see the following emphasis, uh, emphases. The list, this list in particular comes from Gordon and Fee's book I already mentioned. And the emphasis in, in the book of Philippians includes Paul and Paul's and the Philippians partnership in the gospel, Christ as the key to all of life from beginning to end, knowing Christ by becoming like him in his death and sacrificing oneself for others, rejoicing in Christ, even in suffering, unity through humility and love and certainty in pursuit of the final prize. Kind of makes you want to read the letter, right? It's so full of rich truths. Uh, I want to go ahead and focus in on this idea of magnifying Christ in our bodies. Of course, our song says that we magnify Christ from the altar of our lives. And I love that imagery too. It hearkening us to Romans 12, 1, where we read, um, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So with this in mind, let's narrow our focus. Now that we've read through Philippians, we're going to narrow our focus to Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 20, where it starts off by saying this, verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. All right. So Paul is saying here that his imprisonment, while awful, has actually served to advance the gospel. Now keep that in mind as you continue to read the letter to the Philippians because he encourages them later about their own suffering. And make no mistake, this imprisonment is not easy peasy. There's a bit of isolation. And I mean, after all, it's prison. And I'm pretty sure they didn't have jazzercise and cable back in the day. So when Paul goes on to describe then after this, a couple of ways that the gospel advanced. So in verse 14, it says, and most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my, by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Okay, so here we see two types of people responding to the current circumstances of the day. You see, Paul, the biggest proponent of the gospel, is now in prison. And while he will share this gospel with anyone who will listen, he is no longer exposed to large crowds of people. But of course, word still gets out. So this imperial guard that he's talking about, I read this week, was a body of 10,000 specially selected soldiers in Rome. They had these unusual privileges, um, like double pay, and also became so powerful that even the emperors had to court their favor. So the gospel advances because of his proximity to a unique set of unbelievers in the culture of this day. But the gospel also advances because if Paul can do it from prison, then by golly, we can share the gospel from our freedom. And believers take courage because of his suffering and they begin to boldly declare the gospel without fear. Ponder that. It's a a cultural time where you really could fear, should fear. You would think if Paul's in prison, maybe we shouldn't share the gospel because then we might get thrown into prison. But the opposite happens. They are emboldened by this. 
because Paul shares from from prison. I mean, so where why not share from their freedom? But then there's this sect of gospel preachers who use this as a platform building opportunity. And some even desire to hurt Paul personally. They are described as acting from envy, rivalry, selfish ambition, insincerity, and a desire to afflict someone else. This is not right. This is this is anti-gospel. If I've ever seen a list of anti-gospel characteristics. So what should our response be to this situation? Well, let's, let's look and see what Paul's response is to this situation. And here's what the ESV says in verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. All right, I like I like the Amplified Bible, which is another bite, by the way. Read the text in a variety of translations. And here's what the Amplified Bible says. What then does it matter? What then does it matter? I love what does it matter? Uh, not, not as a way to dismiss the situation, but really as a way to genuinely evaluate the situation. He's really wanting to discover what does it matter? Okay, so here he goes. Oh, so what so what then does it matter? So long as in every way, whether in pretense for self-promotion or in all honesty to spread the truth, Christ is being preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice later as well, for I know with confidence that this will turn out for my deliverance and well-being through your prayers and the superabundant supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ which upholds me. Now make no mistake, this was not an easy matter for Paul. This is not a blithe response. This is not a don't worry, be happy response. Did you hear it? It will turn out because of the prayers of his friends and the super abundant supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ, which which upholds him. What Paul is going through emotionally here is a big deal. And the knowledge that the good news is advanced can only truly be appreciated because of the prayers of his friends and the Holy Spirit upholding him. He's having a rough time with this. He's not just glossing over. That is the backdrop to the statement of our inspiration verse. Verse 20, it is my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. We're back to talking about what has happened to Paul. This time in prison is a deeply personal and trying time for Paul. It is exacerbated by the evil of others, and it is sprinkled with hope by the advancement of the gospel and the love and support of his friends and the Holy Spirit. But with that backdrop, he declares that he wants Christ to be magnified from the altar of his life by by living or by dying. And when I look up the word ashamed, um, and that's another bite, by the way, defining words, it means feeling shame, distressed or embarrassed by feelings of guilt, foolishness or disgrace. It can also hold a connotation of shrinking back, unwilling or restrained because of fear of shame, ridicule or disapproval. So it is Paul's eager expectation and hope that he will not slip into that. But he could, right? I mean, I think sometimes we read right past these things. I tend to put Paul and the other apostles on a pedestal in my mind. Like they're not fallible and subject to be formed by feelings, which is my favorite part of our song, by the way. The bridge, check it out. It says, I won't be formed by feelings. I hold fast to what is true. I think Paul could sing that bridge here. 
It is his eager expectation and hope that he will not be at all ashamed. After all, he really easily could slip into that because of his adversaries that he described above. Instead, he's choosing to look on the bright side. Christ is being preached and the gospel is is being advanced. He's choosing to rejoice and move forward in courage so that in that response, Christ will be magnified from the altar of his life. I really wish we had more time to keep reading and unpacking this together. Uh, I don't want you to stop, though. So what's next? We'll read all of Paul's letter to the Philippians. Focus in on Philippians 1 verses 12 through 30, some of which we did not actually get to on the podcast today. And discover what magnifying Christ in our body looks like to Paul. Use the bites we talked about on the podcast to to interact with scripture, including heading over to Acts to understand the foundation of the church at Philippi, the original audience of this letter. And may Paul's experience be yours as well. May the prayers of your friends and the power of the Holy Spirit uphold you in your darkest times. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. You can hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or, or Instagram at michellekneezat. My public pa- uh, Facebook page is michellekneezat, and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, if you haven't joined the 30-Day Music Challenge yet, I highly recommend it. The challenge is to listen exclusively to Christian music for 30 days. You're never too late to jump in. Just submit your name and email address at michellekneezat.com forward slash 30-day challenge, and you're in. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank my newest subscribers to my website, like Debbie from Ohio, Carol from California, and Rebecca from Georgia. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website will benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. It's a great place to start. And subscribers also benefit from an email that I send once a week. In that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource. You can uh, you get an email recap of the week's episode. You get instant access to any of the extra resources I create for from time to time for my episodes. All of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to re- write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? It's This really encourages me, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. It keeps me ranked. And also, as people review your reviews, they kind of make a decision as to whether or not they're going to invest their time in listening to the podcast. So, as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Of course, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneezat.com. Through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app, you can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using the song Battle Belongs by Phil Wickham to point us to scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 366. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.